just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. Employees at a Cottonwood Heights Starbucks made headlines last year when they became the first Starbucks in Utah to unionize. But now, the employees at that very same Starbucks are working with the National Right to Work Foundation to decertify their union. Which raises the question, what the hell happened? It's Tuesday, August 15th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Sean Higgins, political reporter for KUER, you reported this story that a group of Starbucks employees in Cottonwood Heights want to leave the union they joined just a year ago. In fact, they were the first Starbucks in Utah to unionize. This was a massive surprise to me. Did it surprise you? On face value, yes, it did surprise me. And then as I did some more digging into kind of the forces at play here and then just kind of the history of, of labor in, in the United States, it's I wouldn't necessarily say surprising given the industry. The service industry is by and large in the context of the larger economy seen as more of a transitional phase for a lot of people. That's not to discount people who do spend their careers working in the restaurant space that work their way up to managers of stores of restaurants and all of that. But Mm -hmm. by and large, the vast majority of employees who do work in the service industry, Starbucks serving coffee included, aren't there for more than a couple of years, and then they move on to the next part of their professional lives. So talking with some of the experts when I was reporting out this story, unionizing is difficult regardless of the industry you're in, particularly in an industry where you don't have these long stretches of people spending 30 plus years in the same job as you do in other industries that are more traditional union heavy industries like manufacturing, truck driving, things like that. So it's been really interesting. So turnover makes collective bargaining difficult because you don't have the same people at the table every year negotiating the contract, if you can even get a contract. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And I think based on my conversations with people, this is kind of the case at this particular Starbucks. Um, I did go to the store. I was told very promptly to please leave and direct my (laughs) questions to the forces that be. But um, I have heard from people that there's been quite a bit of turnover at this particular location. And I don't know how many of the original employees that voted to unionize still work there, but uh, it is interesting that the person who signed on as the kind of the lead person of this decertification effort was one of the people who uh, led the charge a year ago to, to get this store unionized. Yeah, that in particular is fascinating to me. And I mean, unionizing is such a hassle especially in Utah. This is a right-to-work state, which basically limits the power of unions. In order to get to a union, you've got to vote to unionize. Then there's the collective bargaining process, if you can even get a contract. Why are these Starbucks workers trying to decertify their union right now? What are the big causes? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with 
some amount of frustration. I think people who voted to unionize a year ago kind of saw it as this big defining moment in their careers where they're collectively bargaining for a better contract. And we're more than 12 months in and it's still status quo as it was a year ago because of the 340 plus Starbucks locations that have voted to unionize, as of right now, not a single one has a new contract with Starbucks. They're still working on the conditions they were before they unionized. And I think it's important to note that when you go up against a corporation as large as Starbucks, we're talking billions upon billions of dollars in revenue each each year, there's over 15,000 Starbucks locations in the United States alone. So only 340 of them are unionizing. That's a very small percentage. And I think talking to, to labor experts, there really needs to be a critical mass to really affect the bottom line of a business to really get a lot of these movements going. And when we're talking about, say, a, a store wants to go on strike to get a contract, it's kind of the, the running joke is like there's a Starbucks on every corner. Yeah. At most, you're maybe inconveniencing some people who that's their go-to morning coffee or afternoon pickup. You're not necessarily affecting the bottom line of a giant business unless you have a critical mass of employees or locations that are willing to work together. And I think that's what the Workers United Union is trying to do, get that critical mass, get up enough people to maybe put on something like a strike and get Starbucks to the table. Because as of yet, I think the National Labor Relations Board found that Starbucks was illegally not negotiating with some of these unions. So they've gotten in some hot water with that. We saw Howard Schultz and Bernie Sanders have a pretty spirited back and forth in Congress a few months ago about this exact issue where Howard Schultz swore up and down that he is not a union buster, but their behavior as a corporation may say otherwise to some people. So it's a really fluid situation and something that is fascinating, especially like you said, in a right to work state like Utah. Right. Well, I mean, is it possible that this Cottonwood Heights location's effort to decertify their union could take the wind out of the sails of other Starbucks unions? Like, could there be a domino effect? Because it feels like just a year ago, this was a very hype movement. I think in the immediate term, possibly you could see some other locations in Utah maybe start to back away or locations that were maybe considering taking a vote to unionize back away from that. But I think in the larger scope of this broader union movement, particularly at Starbucks, maybe not. I think we have 13 other locations throughout the United States that are going through this exact process right now that have these petitions to decertify in front of the Labor Relations Board. And the way I understand how that process works, you need to have at least 30% of a location's employees um, be on board with filing a petition to decertify with the National Labor Relations Board, or, or else the petition isn't even considered by the mm. Labor Relations Board. So there is there needs to be some momentum behind it. It can't just be one rogue person who works there who is causing all this trouble. There needs to be not a majority, but a, a significant enough portion of people at the workplace that need to say, hey, we need to look at this a second time. And it's telling that this is happening now because the way labor law works in the United States and unions in particular, you can't file a petition to decertify within one year of your workplace voting to unionize. So you have to live with it for a set number of months before you can potentially reconsider that decision. And I think with those, I think it's 13 or 14 other locations throughout the country, there have been a couple of them, I believe one in New York City, who the petition was thrown out by the Labor Relations Board because of it was found that Starbucks 
may have meddled in that process. Um, there's no proof of that happening here, even though the people who are petitioning to decertify are being represented by the National Right to Work Foundation, which is kind of a, a famously decades old organization that has kind of been the darling of the right to work movement, particularly union busting yeah. movement in the United States. So there's a lot of really interesting forces at play here. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. I mean, the thing about this story that I think knocked me off my chair is like seeing that it's the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation that is basically representing pro bono these Starbucks workers at Cottonwood Heights who want to decertify their union. Like, I, I find it hard to imagine that employees who were excited about this union a year ago are suddenly opposed to unionizing in the way that the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation is, and yet they've become allied in this like very particular situation. It's a little bit of a case of some strange bedfellows when you look at the work that the Right to Work Foundation has done, particularly in recent years. I spoke with their president, Mark Mix, and he kind of said, the way we see it, it's either big business or big union. We're just representing the small guy in all of this. The small guy Starbucks. <laughs> well, the small guy, meaning the workers at this particular location. So I think it's it's very interesting. They're frequent guests on networks like Fox News, OAN, Newsmax, kind of talking about their efforts to kind of dismantle the big union organizations in the United States. So it's 
really interesting to have people who were so gung-ho a year ago signing on to this national organization that is hell-bent on the absolute opposite of what they were trying to do a year ago. Yeah. I wonder if we haven't already heard from Starbucks, maybe touting this as an example of why other Starbucks employees should be cautious to unionize. Like, have we heard anything from Starbucks on this? Starbucks has been pretty mum on all of this. They have a website that is run by the corporation that is kind of, hey, get the facts about unionizing here. Um, I think that website has gotten in some hot water of, of having some violations of labor law content on it. Well, for the Cottonwood Heights Starbucks employees that are not interested in decertifying the union who don't want to leave, what have you heard from them? They have been pretty mum. Like I said, I was told to please leave and and direct my questions to the main union lines when I was at the store. But talking with the union, they pulled zero punches in their response to this news. They basically called out Starbucks and the Right to Work Foundation as as a virulent union busting campaign. and, And they have complete confidence that the NLRB will find that this petition violates labor law and will be thrown out like a couple of others have. I think I mentioned um, one in New York already has. But yeah, I think these union movements are famously testy. Let's let, let's use that word between uh, the two sides. I think we have seen negotiations just in the past year. We had the railroads and then we had UPS. We have the ongoing talks in Hollywood with the writers and actors. Yeah, There are not very many niceties when it comes to the public back and forth with the two sides when it comes to this kind of stuff. So I would imagine that the employees at this store who are still in favor of unionizing are quite worried and maybe a little bit upset with some of their fellow employees. And I can only imagine what kind of a workplace environment that creates, even though these are uh, anonymous for obvious safety reasons. You don't want to target people. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, we're seeing Utah workers in different industries try their hand at unionizing. There was an attempt to unionize Clever Octopus, um, Recycle Store, the Salt Lake City Public Library employees for now at the downtown library are trying to unionize. What is Starbucks deunionizing or attempting to tell us about the labor movement in Utah generally? I think the labor movement in Utah is... I don't want to say non-existent because we do have teachers unions. We do have other unions that are active in Utah. But status as a right to work state means their powers are are greatly diminished. And looking at the way Utah's right to work law is written, it says that the right of people to work, whether in private employment or for the states, that means like county, city, school districts or other political subdivisions, it says may not be denied or abridged on account of membership or non-membership in any labor union, labor organization or other type of organization. So what that essentially means is even if you are working at a place that does have a union, you are not legally obligated to join that union to work there. And you can't be discriminated against by your employer for membership or non-membership in a union. And the detractors of right to work laws say that that allows some employees to just kind of freeload on, on the work of unions when it comes to collective organizing because they get all the benefits, but they don't have to pay union dues. They don't have to do all these other union responsibilities, but they do reap the benefits of potentially higher salaries based on on union negotiations, benefits, things of that nature. So it's a really interesting dynamic in 
Utah. I mean, they could also undermine a strike effort because they're technically not a member of the union. They don't have to sign on to a strike, so they could cross a picket line. And they also, I mean, weaken collective bargaining power because, again, if you're not necessarily a member of the union, then you're not all in. You're not necessarily at the table. Exactly. But I do think on the on the other side of that, people at a workplace can get together and collectively bargain with their employer without a union present. Um, we saw in the Park City area a handful of workers at a theater in Kimball Junction. This was early 2021 before even any of the Starbucks news was happening. They were unhappy with their working conditions. They banded together as a group and they went on strike at this one theater and they got a raise. They didn't need a union to do that. So it is possible to do this without the formality of a big national union like Teamsters or Workers United coming in and negotiating on your behalf. Mm -hmm. But I think, like we said, depends on the industry, particularly in the service industry where there is a lot of turnover. It's incredibly hard to maintain that solidarity over a long period of time that is kind of essential when you're negotiating with a global corporation like Starbucks. So what's next at the Cottonwood Heights store? Like, where are they in the process of potentially decertifying their union and what what are the next steps? So as of right now, this petition was filed a couple of weeks ago. That then triggers a process where the NLRB, that's the National Labor Relations Board, will review the petition. And then two things can happen. They can schedule a vote at this store, and then they can vote to either stay in the union or leave, or they can decide that this petition has no merit and throw it out. But the catch to that is there is a whole appeals process that can happen. The union can petition if the NLRB says this vote can go forward. The National Right to Work Foundation can petition if they throw the petition out. So from what I understand, this could be just the beginning of the process. Mark Mix, the president of the Right to Work Foundation, told me that he's had cases that have gone on three, four, even five years Right now, until we have a decision from the NLRB on the status of the petition, we won't know what the timeline will look like. So based on my conversations, they fully expect this to be drawn out because there will be appeals no matter which way the NLRB comes down on this. So we could be just at the beginning of the process here. Sean Higgins, political reporter for KUER. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Allie. It's been four months since a group of Salt Lake City Library employees announced their unionization effort. Organizers have cited low wages, rising health care costs, and staff burnout as cause for collective bargaining with leadership. The staff have been hopeful that the library board will voluntarily recognize their union so they can avoid forcing a vote. The process would look like this. The SLC Library Board passes a resolution to voluntarily recognize and legitimize the employee union. That proposal then goes to the Salt Lake City Council to approve, since the library is funded by the city. And bam, that's it. The Salt Lake City Library System staff of about 245 people become the first library workers to unionize in Utah under the American Federation of State, City, and Municipal Employees. Now, Mayor Erin Mendenhall has already voiced her support for this effort, and about two-thirds of Salt Lake City employees are currently represented by a union, so it's normal. But the president of the SLC Library's nine-member board told KSL News that they're 
actively listening to library staff before making a decision, but that there are things they'd like more clarity on. Because going into negotiations can take a long time, and there are a lot of logistics. The library board's next meeting is August 28th. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city.